hand coding just it's not scalable i mean that's really bottom line is hand coding things is not scalable the way things are today with the cloud we got this massive opportunity this you know ability to scale nearly unlimitedly uh, with platforms like snowflake but it doesn't do any good to have that power if you can't get the data and get it where it needs to be Hello, and welcome to Coffee with Coalesce, a monthly podcast about all things data and the trends in technology transforming our industry. I'm Armand Petrosian, CEO of Coalesce, and here with me is my co-founder and CTO, Satish Jayanti. Together, we'll be your host for the next hour. Made it. Made it. Yay. Love it. Love it. Looking forward to this, Kent. Thanks for hopping on with us. First ever Coffee with Coalesce. What an honor to have you. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah, Glad to be participating in the launch. Yep, yep. For those of you who don't know Kent, which I find uh, for you as a thought leader, and I'm so glad to have you here, man. Yeah, well, happy to be here. This, I think it's uh, we got a lot of fun things to talk about today, for sure. Definitely. And I always have for the last, oh, geez. What, decade, I guess, at least the prior prior to uh, prior to Coalesce and all our uh, our work in the uh, in the data space together. That's right. Past lives of automation, largely yes. focused on what we'll talk about today. Um, also, just quick introduction: myself, Armand Petrosian, CEO of Coalesce, co-founder. I've got my better half here, Satish. I'll let you introduce yourself, man. Hello there, um, Satish Janti. I'm one of the co-founders as well, and I worked with Armand and Kent uh, for a few years. Sweet. <laughs> more than a few years, yeah. <laughs> yeah, more than a few years. <laughs> and he still works with me. Do you, can you believe it? Yeah. that's <laughs> um, Cool. Well, look, for anybody that's tuning in, feel free to leave some comments or questions. Uh, you know, just to kick this off, Kent, I think that, you know, as you were retiring from Snowflake, we caught up and we were still in stealth mode at the time. And I remember connecting with you and letting you know what we were doing at Coalesce. And it was so awesome to see how excited you were. And, you know, I would love to just hear from you firsthand. I'm sure the audience would as well. Like, what was it that attracted you to Coalesce and what we were doing? And, you know, what problems did you see in the space over these past couple of decades that you thought Coalesce was uniquely solving? Well, it's, I've always been all about automation. Um, I just wrote a post recently. I think I think I've been into automation in the data space for man close to thirty years because I started working with the Oracle case tools back in the early nineties when they first came out. Um, so however long ago that was, and got convinced that being able to design something from an architect or analyst perspective from a business perspective, and have it generate the codes. So code generators, huge fan, huge fan of code generators. They said have been now really, really for decades. Um, And then, you know, as I got into data warehousing and the data space, you know, looking for for tools that did that sort of thing in the data space. Uh, And then, of course, we got into the agile world and people wanting to run Agile projects. We did Agile software development projects and uh, a couple of code generator type tools, automation tools in that space that help people be more Agile in software development. And then we got over to the data space and there, there weren't nearly as many. 
right. but the ones that did come out really made a huge difference to people who were able to to adopt it. And so seeing what you guys are doing now, really, now we're into the world of the data cloud, right? And we're, we're no longer on-prem, we're, we're in the cloud, and just massive, massive growth in the amount of data that's out there. And making it, it's making it really hard for, for teams to keep up with onboarding, just onboarding new data, transforming it, curating it, and making it available to the, to the business in a timely manner. Um, mm -hmm. There's just so much to do. Hand coding, just, it's not scalable. I mean, that's really bottom line is hand coding things is not scalable the way things are today with the cloud. We got this massive opportunity, this you know ability to scale nearly unlimitedly uh, with platforms like Snowflake. It doesn't do any good to have that power if you can't get the data right. and get it where it needs to be. So having uh, something like Coalesce, what you guys are doing, where it's really, I mean, it, it's a no-code, low-code environment, which is, of course, all the rage today, uh, but it still generates code in the background. So it's not a total black box. So you can see what's happening, um, and it, you know, it is generating true code natively for the database in, in the case of what you guys are doing, Snowflake, right? And it's generating native Snowflake code. Uh, and as the space is growing and the adoption of Snowflake is just, you know, through the roof, it's going to be a lot easier for people to get moving more rapidly yeah. because they don't have to learn necessarily the nuances of, of the coding in Snowflake, the SQL. It is all SQL-based, right. but you know, there's some nuances every database has its its nuances and snowflake is no different um you know being able to deal with the json data and the uh, semi-structured data and the variance in snowflake and you guys have that all built in right um yeah. i mean i had i had to learn that when i joined snowflake i had to learn how to write that sql and was uh wasn't too hard but you still have to write it right and, yeah. and you got to write it the correct way being able to generate that code you know and really basically specify what i want to have happen and have the code get generated for me, well, that makes, you know, makes me a lot more productive. And so that's why I think it, it's so exciting because the world is, there's just, there's not enough data engineers to go around to do all the data work that needs to be done. And so we've got to be able to empower, you know, your, your data analysts and your domain specialists who understand the data to help with these things as well, because it's, otherwise you, you're going to still have the traditional data warehouse bottleneck, which used to be ETL, right? Yeah. And we don't want to have that in the cloud. And there's no reason we should have that in the cloud anymore. But if we're not careful, we could have that bottleneck just with the, you know, not having enough data engineers to, to develop our data pipelines. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, it's a big part of our thesis behind building Coalesce and a big reason why we're so passionate about this mission. And it's interesting, you know, historically, and even today, you know, you've seen there is recently starting to become this negative stigma with GUIs, for example, because the historical GUI-based tools have lacked the ability to be flexible. And so at times when we're talking to different organizations or different people, I think it's really easy for people to put us in that bucket. But as you discussed earlier, you know, having that flexibility of the code and having a way to package it in a way that gives you that low-code experience is what gets you the productivity gains. And that is 
rare. You know, that just has not been done. It's either so far on one side of the spectrum where, uh, you know, a vendor has a low code, no code environment that's really rigid anytime you need to get out of those parameters, or you go all the way to the other side of the spectrum and you're purely code first, code centric, everything programmatic. We're going to code everything, which is just so hard to scale and insanely inefficient. Um, and so we really wanted to give our users, like empower our users to have the best of both worlds. Um, something that we're all very excited about and something that keeps coming up, you know, as we, as we came out of stealth and talked to more and more organizations and people, they're like, Oh, it's a GUI. It can't, it can't possibly have the flexibility we need. Uh, but can, as you know, you know, we've, we've been doing this for quite some time in the largest data warehouses and been able to solve those problems before. So it was such an important aspect. Um, any thoughts on like the whole GUI code piece that, that stigma? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. There have been plenty of tools in the past that were really pretty much black box, right? And you really couldn't tell what it was. And you are, you got to stay very strictly within the boundaries of the product um, and what the product was designed to do. And there's like no way to, I'll say, color outside the lines. Um, You guys have solved that with your templates, right? That you have the ability, if there's specific standards, uh, some sort of... uh, specific type of object or uh, business rules that you want to apply, but you want to apply them consistently, you're giving people the opportunity with the templates to really, and what, what do you, what do you call those, uh, Satish? Uh, They're user-defined nodes. There you go. User-defined nodes. Yeah. User-defined nodes. Yeah. So when you hear that, people don't, don't freak out. It's, they, they didn't really invent anything new. It's, it, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a template. It's a template that allows you to define something. And to me, that's great because I'm also, while I'm a big fan of code generation, I'm also a massive fan of standards and that yeah. you've got to have governance. You've got to have standards and uh, coding standards are part of it. And standard approaches to things are part of that and being able to encode that in a user defined node, the specific to your company. So yeah, you still need a data engineer and that's the, the person who's going to help you figure out how, how should we code this? What's the best way to code this thing? That's, that's not in in line with some of the standard stuff that you already have in the product, you know, how do we want to do it as an organization to be able to define that? And then it's like, okay, everybody, if you're going to do X, use this, use this node, and it's going to generate the code exactly the way you, you want to see it done. Yeah. Yeah. With your background too, Ken, one of the roles Satish and I have always felt has been neglected recently is the data architect, that persona where, Right. We see yeah. so much attention being drawn to the data engineer or the data analyst. But in reality, if we want to accomplish something at scale for a large enterprise, whether it's a Fortune 500 or just a very complex environment, the data architect is really the one who's going to be driving those architectural decisions and should be making those standards so that people who are less experienced with data can then leverage what they build. So when we have specific nodes, like you said, we want to empower them to be as effective or almost as effective as a data architect, but allow that to scale throughout the organization, especially for, you know, you talk about data mesh quite a bit recently, and it's so important that you provide those users, those citizen data engineers or department specific users, a tool that gives them the flexibility, but also the ease of use, while also allowing the architects to kind of drive the guardrails of the organization. Um, and I, I don't see how it's possible any other way, to be honest. Yeah, and more and more organizations, you know, because of the pressure and the speed at which they are required to build these analytics, I believe they're skipping this architecture uh, step. 
or they're not just focusing enough on that because they think by just going and implementing, they're getting the speed. Actually, the effect is the opposite. Yeah, yeah, and it's the the power that we've gotten in the cloud to a certain extent has uh, allowed people to be sloppy again. <laughs> I mean, and this this happens like every every wave we go through in IT. This happens, you know, back when the big data era started. They said basically, we don't need to do data modeling anymore. We're going to use schema on read. And little did anybody realize that schema on read meant you had a model, right? You just were waiting to look at the model a little late. So, yeah, let's not, you know, throw out. I mean, we, we, the same best practices come up for the last 30 years. It's like a little bit of planning, even if you're trying to do agile. Agile, there's a sprint zero. You know, sprint zero is where you figure out your standards and you figure out your templates. And if you do that right, then once you get going and you get a team cadence going, then you can be very, very productive and very efficient. And the things that you build are going to work, but there has to be a vision, right? There, and that's where the architects come in. It's like, what's our what's our long term vision? And even if it's not long term, but you know, some kind of a vision. Where are we trying to go here? And what right. kind of standards should we be applying so that not only are we delivering, you know, it's great to deliver things quickly, but they have to be sustainable. Yeah, you don't want to deliver a bunch of stuff that you didn't have to. It, it, the big deal in, in Agile was refactoring. Oh, well, just refactor. It's like, yeah, but you can't refactor everything. And if you have no planning, you end up refactoring everything. And that burns a lot of cycles as well. And so, okay, maybe you delivered stuff quickly, but if you have to then spend multiple sprints and cycles refactoring it because you didn't think it all the way through, well, yep. that's that's a problem too. Now, again, the advantage of, you know, things like Snowflake and even Coalesce, you know, anything that's generating code, it's a lot faster to do that and do the refactoring. But, you know, let's yep. put a little thought into this, you know, data models. Again, you still still need a data model, at least a conceptual data model. So you understand the space and then you need a high level data architecture. of, You know, how are we going to lay this out? You know, yep. are we are we going to use a data lake and a data warehouse? Are we going to do data vault? Are we going to do Kimball dimensional modeling? Um, are we going to do some sort of a hybrid that works for what we're trying to do? But those questions have to be answered early on by by the leads before you unleash the tools. Um, one, one of my buddies years ago, back in, in the, uh, the Oracle designer days, said, you know, a fool with a good tool is still a fool. A bad architect with a good tool is still a bad architect. The tool just enables you to, well, as we now say in Agile, fail faster, right? You can implement a really bad architecture really quickly. Um, right. And, you know, hopefully you catch that and then you iterate. But really, that's, we'd like to avoid all of that. We want to avoid the failures. We want to build stuff that's successful, flexible, extensible, and sustainable, yeah. right? Because we're moving so fast. We really don't have time to refactor. Yeah. Right? Definitely. I mean, I can, I mean, there's been so many different companies we've spoken to who, like you had said, Snowflake gave them access to this incredibly powerful platform and they didn't do planning. They're a small company and they hit hyper growth. And as they were doing things with data, trying to build their data warehouse, didn't have a proper architecture or model. Two years later, it's gone completely out of control and they have to redesign the entire thing. And so, you know, I, I would compare it to building a house without a blueprint. 
I mean, you're basically going out without any designs and you're just trying to build a, a house. And the bigger that house is, the harder that is. Small use cases, for sure. You don't, you know, you can yeah. get away with it for some time. But as things grow, and you should always plan to inevitably grow and build for the future, things can get out of hand really quickly. Yeah, well, there's the this, the old statement, failing to plan is planning to fail, Yeah. right? And yeah. I, I tell people when people say, oh, well, we just got a little company. We only have one source. You know, we, we're just going to throw it in and we're going to put reports on it. And my question is, do you not plan to grow as a company? Because if you're yeah. not planning to grow as a company and you build your architecture as though you will never grow as a company, you are planning to fail as a company. Exactly. Right? If you don't have, if you don't see a vision or a future for your company, um, you know, you're being very short-sighted, and odds are your competitors won't be. Right. Uh, and they're they're planning for growth. You need to plan for growth, and you need to plan for success. Yeah. You know, that's what we really talk about is plan for success. And but you got to understand what does success look like? More customers more data, more sources in the case, because we're talking about data architecture and analytics is, you know, we've got to build things in such a way as that allows us to scale and allows us to grow um, in hyper growth mode. Yeah, definitely. Or even just moderate growth, you know, these things, these things come up as, as time continues. Uh, so, you know, we've seen it too many times and, you know, I think Kent, uh, by the way, I see some comments here. Damien O'Farrell, yes, don't ignore the data architecture. <laughs> totally agree with you, Joe. Hey, hey, man, how you doing? Thanks for hopping on. Um, you know, I think, <clears throat> well, like with that in mind, you mentioned Snowflake really like was this huge disruption in such a positive way for giving people access to such a powerful platform. And we've seen automation impact so many sector of so many sectors of analytics. I think that. The transformations piece is lagging, whereas, for example, the extraction and load has been largely focused on for so long with things like Fivetran and HVR, which have made it so easy to ingest data. And now we're starting to see this new frontier of focus on transformation specifically, which is something we're so excited about addressing in a unique way uh, with what we're with what we're doing at Coalesce. So, and I think the Automation will get there the same way Snowflake automated database tuning and, and made it so easy to get spun up with that platform or how Fivetran made it point and click to just ingest data. So simply, we want to apply that same philosophy to transformations. Um, so, yeah, really. And while you're talking about that, Armand, why don't you, um, you said there, there's a, probably a bunch of new folks watching that aren't completely familiar with Coalesce. Why don't you uh, give us a little readout on your vision for Coalesce, the company? Yeah, as you're talking about all these things. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it goes back quite some time. You know, Satish and I, we met probably seven years ago. And uh, in our past lives, we were largely focused on dealing with the world's largest, most complex enterprise data warehouses. Uh, you know, on on-premise platforms before Snowflake was a thing, obviously worked very closely with Snowflake, some of those largest data warehouse use cases as well. And we saw similar problems over and over again that were largely unaddressed. And as the market continued, like we were saying earlier, we saw automation impact every sector. And there's been great disruptions, you know, on the business intelligence side with things like Tableau, ThoughtSpot, uh, on the ingestion side with things like Fivetran, uh, obviously Snowflake as a platform. And we want to take that same philosophy and apply it to what we see is the largest bottleneck in analytics today which is actually taking that data in its raw format and getting it to the point where it's consumable by the business with proper governance, 
proper documentation and lineage as quickly as possible and as efficiently as possible. Now, we talk a lot about our product architecture, some of the design decisions that we made from day one uh, with that experience and all the shortcomings we saw in the marketplace. Uh, we talk a lot about having a column aware architecture and really being the only tool that was built from the ground up that leverages column metadata the way that we do. And that opens up so many doors. I mean, it allows us to build an incredibly intuitive GUI. It allows us to automate code without having to write those templates if you don't want to. It allows us to provide column level lineage and enhance that lineage. Uh, it also allows us to help design and build a data warehouse or build a data project incredibly efficiently and quickly and largely at scale. Uh, without that column metadata, without some of these other aspects of our design decisions that we made, it's really difficult to support an enterprise use case. And the bigger it gets, the harder it can be. And so really we wanna focus, be laser focused on making that portion of the stack, the stack that people are spending the most amount of time with as efficient as possible and supportable for that scale. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So just to add a few things to that, um, you know, we heard the saying that, you know, IT wants to build things right, but business wants it now. That has been there forever. And, and I personally experienced that. I'm one of those IT guys where I wanted to do things right. Uh, but to do things right takes time, you know? Uh, tool is definitely one aspect of the whole thing, but it's not the entire thing. There's a lot of other factors that play into to the speed. However, if you don't have the right tool that brings business and the IT together, then, you know, that's not a starter. And that's what I experienced for a long, long time. And with Coalesce, our vision is to change that. You know, we have seen how the market shifted from one end to the other where, uh, you know, we had purely IT tools, like ETL tools. Only IT people can work with them. Only IT can solve or build those pipelines. And then, you know, that was taking really, really long time to build data warehouses. And then there's a new type of products that came in that skipped the entire IT and went directly to the business uh, and said, hey, you guys can build your own thing. Go ahead and, you know, this is the tool. You don't need IT to do this stuff. And I think that's the same problem. You're going to the other extreme, which is also uh, not a good thing for organizations. Now with Coalesce, what we are saying is we want, whether you're an architect, whether you're an engineer, whether you're an analyst, whether you're a power business user, you should be able to use, it's a one single platform where all of that metadata is centralized so you can keep track of things you can govern as an IT um, or, a, or a central governance organization. And also as an IT architect, you can set those guardrails. You can build those patterns. You can deal with that low level code that you have, that you only can uh, because there's no other experts in the organization. And then you kind of unleash all of that and have everybody else also contribute to that process. And I think that's how you get to the speed um, in, in the, um, you know, final goal of having a very strong data foundation. Yeah, like democratizing data, right? We've been talking about that for so long, haven't <laughs> yeah. we? And, yes. and it's just been a pipe dream. And I think that largely there needs to be a tool that helps bridge the gap between those roles and those skill sets, uh, especially throughout a legacy enterprise. Some of these insurance companies, retail companies that have been around for hundreds of years don't have the same type of resources that 
you know, a high growth startup might have. And so being able to accompany them and their traditional skill sets in a unique way, and then also support every other use case that the platform can in an efficient manner um, is so important. And so that's, that's really what we saw the gap was. It's a big reason why, you know, we decided to pursue Coalesce and start this company, uh, you know, a couple of years back while we were in stealth. And uh, I think that the, 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 the road is just beginning. I mean, there's so, so many spaces, there's so many sectors of analytics that obviously have problems, but we would say that this is the largest one that has been unmet so far. Uh, this is the one that has been the biggest pain point for the longest amount of time. It hasn't really been addressed uh, in, a, in a way that is scalable and supportable. Um, and so that's why we chose this section along with our backgrounds. Yeah. And, and I think that uh, it's the right time, right? You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're reinventing it, everything for the cloud and nobody has really reinvented this piece of it other, other than at a coding level, right? We, right. we, we talk about data engineering and data pipelines and, right. and a lot of coding. I, I mean, it, it scared me a bunch of years back when I started seeing people go away from, you know, GUI tools like, uh, Oracle designer and things like that and moving more into Python. Yeah. And so we, we've gone, we, we took that, that other turn of, okay, we went back to low level coding and it's like, okay, I'm out. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, how many more languages do I, do I want to learn in my career to be effective at what I do? I'm good with SQL. I'm good with SQL. <laughs> right. But why do we have to go back to learning what was, oh, it's MapReduce. Yeah, that was the one that really scared me. It's like, yeah, we got to do MapReduce to, to pull data out and, and munge it so that we're doing it. And, and then, of course, there's Spark and people doing a lot of things in Spark as well for transformations. And a, again, as we're growing and things are you know, speeding up even more, it's like there, there's just not enough time for people to develop that expertise. But as Satish said, you know, you can have your, your, your expert coder, architect, and folks, you know, building in repeatable standards yep. into, into a platform, into, into Coalesce, um, then it's a lot easier to distribute it. So we, we, like, so we talked at past a lot about uh, data mesh. And so this idea of empowering yep. these domain data teams, well, one of the concepts around there is having some sort of a center of excellence. Again, <clears throat> can you expect every domain team to have expert data engineers? Probably not at a very large scale, really large organizations, that's just not going to work. But if you can have some central experts who can define the standards and build templates that can be reused and uh, implemented via Coalesce, uh, folks that are analysts and are more business centric, you know, that lines up really well, I think, with the the whole uh, data mesh concept of having the people who work with the data on a daily basis, who understand the data, know the data, make them responsible for the data quality and for moving it into um, a data product, as they call it in the data mesh space. But that's yeah. really, you know, it's, it's a data mart. You know, we're, we're, we're building it, but we want it all to be integrated. We want it to be standardized. We want to have governance. And I, in my mind, the only way to do that is through automation. Yep. And, and that's really kind of the sweet spot that you guys are hitting. Like I said, I think it makes sense to, to reinvent that now for, for the cloud and, um, yeah, I think you, you guys have kind of followed the snowflake model is, you know, built in the cloud for the cloud, right? Correct. Definitely. And that's, that's the way, that's the way I think snowflake really kind of proved that, that, 
that is really the only way to reinvent a space yeah. is you have to start over, which is what Snowflake did, right? They started over, you know, zero lines of code and, and wrote a new product and a new architecture and a new approach to dealing with data in the cloud that's, you know, been hugely successful and is yeah. now the data cloud. And you guys are, are doing the same thing with the, uh, the data pipeline, ETL, ELT space, but it yeah. really is, you know, you got to think about things differently. You got to really forget about some of the ways we've done things in the past and let go of that and say, okay, we're, we're going to take a new approach here. Definitely. I mean, just being able to start from scratch was so refreshing for us to, you know, take all the lessons we learned, all the drawbacks that we saw, shortcomings of other technologies and be able to just build from the ground up, make the right design decisions and right architectural decisions, similar to how Snowflake did with the whole separate, you know, compute from storage. You know, these, what may seem like simple concepts have such compounding value as you grow as a business and grow as a product. And it all starts at the very, very early stages of building a product, the very, very early architectural decisions. And that's something I think we've only continued to learn the power of as we go down this journey with Coalesce. Yeah, I, there's a great comment here from from Tim that I got to say that he says he's the same vintage as I am. I love that, Tim. That's a great way to put it. Uh, starting with DW ETL solutions using Unix and PL SQL code before we had any GUI tools. Then we moved to visual tools like Informatica and Data Stage. I have no idea why people want to go back to delivery via code. Yep. <laughs> I'm with you 100%. That's one of the reasons <laughs> I'm here today, Tim. You know, you, I could not have put it better. Uh, that uh, question from Austin, and this is, I think, a good one for you, Satish, to dive in a little bit more about what you mean by column aware. Because um, that's one of, the, one of the things you talk about with Coalesce that is definitely different than what you hear from, from other, other product vendors. Or, or you can show people, Satish, as well. Well, yeah, we could do that too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You ready? Um, yeah, sure. Um, just just to kind of add in a little bit of color to that, um, when we say column aware, basically what we're saying is we understand how every column in the repository is connected to the other columns. Um, and you know, when you're dealing with one column and you're changing something, how does that impact uh, you know your pipeline? Yeah. And we have used that column awareness from the ground up to build every part of our product. So maybe, uh, you know, uh, it's right, right time to show that. So just show so that. everybody knows, this wasn't my idea either. I was getting dinner with Kent. We were meeting up, having some drinks. And I said, hey, we should do a live stream. I think it'd be awesome. A lot of people love you. You're pretty popular, if you didn't know. Um, and I said, you know, we can just talk conceptually about some things, uh, you know, have some fun, take some questions. And Kent goes, no. What? You guys just came out of stealth. Nobody's seen your product yet. You got to at least show it a little bit. Um, and so I said, okay, fine. I guess we'll plan to do that too. Uh, and, you know, it ties in nicely to this whole column aware concept, the metadata pieces, the lineage. Uh, and so easy to, so easy to show it off. So. Yeah. Cause talk is cheap as they say. Yes. And in this case yeah. it's free. Uh, so <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's say, let's, let's show, show them what you got. Absolutely. Uh, Cool. Um, one second. We can see your screen, which is good. And hopefully it's not laggy. I saw I saw Johan was saying that he was having a little bit of latency issues, but it looks like everybody else is good. So, all right, cool. Um, so here is you know so, uh, 
CallS is a software as a service product. So you just log in um, with an account. No infrastructure needed. Those are refreshing for us as well. I, I see some questions as well. Glenn, yeah, 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 Dr. Glenn. Yeah. retired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what you my wife was saying him. recently, too. You, you, you can't contain him. I so, may be retired, but I'm never tired. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So um, after you log in and you see this is the screen, you see two tabs at the top. There's the build and there's the deploy. Um, basically, as a data engineer, you're spending most of your time building what we call the graph. You're also familiar with the term DAG. Um, and, um, you know, one prerequisite here is, you know, this is a purely a transformation tool. So we expect all the tables and the raw data sitting in Snowflake already. So you may have ingested using some manual coding or some other tools like Fivetran. Um, but once the data is in Snowflake and you have access to those, all you do here is to add those to this graph. Um, these are all the database and schemas that I have access to. I can kind of look at by expanding each one and seeing what tables are there. Uh, you know, I can sample the data before bringing it into my uh, you know, graph. Um, or I can just select everything here and add these. Um, you know, these are nodes since this is a graph and, and there's different types of nodes that, that you can kind of add to the graph. We call these as source nodes since they represent the source tables. Um, if I click on any one of these, I can look at the columns. I can look at the structure of that particular table. I can look at the data types. You can even sample the data from here just to see how it looks. Before I start anything, before I do anything, I can just kind of get a feel for what the data looks like. Now there is column, um, you know, customer name, address, and other information here. Now, if I want to start building my pipeline, all I, you know, you can either start from the existing nodes, which is a more typical way to do it, or you can also add like an unrelated node to this, uh, to this graph. But let's say if I want to build something based on the customer node, I can just right click in here and say add node. And I have a whole bunch of node types that are available in my repository. However, this is not a complete list, but you can see like a node profiler is essentially a data profiler. You have a, you know, deduplicator, you have uh, things like data vault nodes. You yeah. have hubs, you ever, you ever heard of that, Kent, data vault? <laughs> yeah, I've come across that somewhere. Something, you must've heard it somewhere. Somewhere over the last 20 years. Yeah, I, I see a couple of questions here too. Can it source data from Snowflake stage? Yeah, as long as data is landed in Snowflake, good to go. Mauricio, how much data management automation do you see all and do you all see in the next five years? I mean, I've got my personal answer. Anything that is repetitive should be automated and we should be allowing data people to focus on the hard stuff, which is working with the business and driving insight out of that data. Um, anyways, I think you'll see really quickly here as Satish goes into building a type two dimension, how easy that is and how quick it can be. Uh, along with Data Vault, you know, support pretty much anything Snowflake can do, Coalesce is capable of. Uh, it gives you that full flexibility within the platform. So, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, these are again, this is not a complete list of all the node types. And one important factor here is that you can actually create your own node type. You know, a node type has 
certain configurations, certain behavior, certain UI, which you can build programmatically uh, and all of that. So in this case, you got, you have seen these data vault nodes, which are all user-defined nodes that we talked about in the beginning of this um, discussion. Um, so I can, for example, I can create a stage node out of this. And again, it has its own properties like naming convention and the color and associated with it. But essentially, it just copied all that metadata and created this uh, new, you know, new um, node type, um, you know, stage customer. And you can see the columns, you can see the data types. I can add transformations here to this to change the data. There's also a configuration that is associated with this particular node type. So in this case, it's a stage node. So it has configuration, for example, like truncate before. You know, because these are staging tables, you know, you basically have by default, you can, you know, whenever you run these, refresh these, they always truncate, like flush and fill those. But tables. that's updatable. If somebody decided they didn't want to do that, that's just a switch, right? Exactly. That's just yeah. switch here. You can make go behind the scenes and actually make the default as, you know, turn it off rather than on. So you can do all of those. Every part of this is configurable. You can change this. And also there's create and run buttons. Basically create is our DDL. When I push that create button, this table gets created on Snowflake. And when I do run, it takes everything into account here, whatever options that you have selected, whatever transformations that you have put here, it'll take all of that and generate template-based code behind the scenes to process that uh, that node, so or or populate that table in this case. Was was kind of an important thing as well that we came to find uh, as we came out of stealth. The importance of abstracting that DDL and DML gives you so much more flexibility. You know, for example, uh, you know, different use cases, incremental use cases, being able to customize that and having that abstraction from the ground up was. So key instead of you know something that's black boxed or you know an outside in approach for customizing that and, you know we can touch on that in a second here but I remember that question coming up to us a couple of times when we just came out of stealth like why the create and run instead of just one button and it, it really helps give you that flexibility. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in these transformations you can put in you know anything that's valid on Snowflake. Uh, in this case, for example, I can just change that. You know, case of these um, columns, and if I you know, create the table, I can see the create statement. Of course, nothing is black box here. Everything is, um, you know, you know exactly what's happening. In this case, we submitted a create statement, um, and you know, if I if I fetch the data from this, it's an empty table. There's nothing in it yet, but once you run it, it's going to take what you put here. Uh, and generate that SQL statement. Now it populated that and also changed that to the uppercase. Now this transformation can be as complex as it needs to be, uh, but anything that's valid on Snowflake, you can you can use it here. Now, and, and of course, this now that this is run, if you were over on your Snowflake uh, GUI, you could actually go in and and see what happened behind the scenes, what warehouse was used, and how. How long it took and how many um, micro partitions it affected all of that sort of thing right absolutely and you can also control where this gets created on which databases and which schema uh you know you want this to be created by default yeah, it's all um, parameterized right it's all parameterized everything is you know yeah configurable um and 
I mean, I can add columns, I can change the names of columns. I can, like, for example, I can duplicate this column. Uh, let's, you know, duplicate this. Um, I can say, hey, let's call this some something like a customer rating column where you're labeling the customers, you know, based on their uh, account balance. So you can say that, and you can see the, the auto complete that will kind of help you, um, you know, while you're typing these. And you can say um, whatever transform that makes sense here. And this is all pure SQL. You know, there's nothing new to learn here. Yep. Um, you can change the data types, of course. And you can do this in bulk as well, by the way. Um, and at this point, I have to create the table since I've added a new column. And then I can you know, run it. And I should see my new column that I just added. Uh, that's the, uh, the calculation that we added. Now, you know, you can filter the data, you can join multiple tables, but you know, you can also create a series of these stage tables to break down some complex logic. Well, it's all SQL again, as I said, but once you get to the point where your data is prepared, and now you say, hey, I'm, I, uh, I want to create a dimension. I want to create that end user table. It doesn't have to be a dimension. It could be a flat table. Uh, but if you have a methodology that you're following, like Kimball's, and you want to create that dimension. Again, the pattern is the same. You right-click and you click that dimension button. You don't really need to know a lot about, you know, how this dimension is like working and you don't have to build all of this. This is all there, you know, according to the standards, um, you know, it's, it needs a surrogate key. So there is a surrogate key here. There is some system fields. Um, and then the so yeah, the, so the, the the node to be clear, your your node template automatically added these metadata columns. Correct, exactly. Yeah, yeah it, that's correct. So if you know if you're using a different type of node, you might see different metadata columns depending on what it is. Right. For. So in this case, the, also the configuration is specific to this type of node. When you right. saw the stage customer uh, stage type of nodes. We had an option where we said truncate uh, option was there and it was turned on. Um, since this is a dimension table, you don't want to truncate data. This is a persistent uh, table. So instead, we have other types of configuration options here. For example, the business key is required now because this is a dimension. Um, so I have I can choose the business key. I can choose multiple columns, of course, if, if, if it's a composite key. Um, optionally, I can also choose things like um, hey, uh, uh, you know, I want to track changes to address and phone number. So these are change tracking columns. So this, this is something when I saw this demo, uh, these guys will remember, it's like this blew me away because what you have done is you have now allowed somebody to declaratively define a type 2 slowly changing dimension without them even knowing they're defining a type 2 slowly changing dimension. Right, so that if you've got an industry best practice built into this that doesn't require the user to actually even know that concept. Yep, exactly. exactly. Yeah, that was the goal. And, uh, you know, these those configurations on the right hand side, those columns, you know, these are the columns and the configurations were created and they come from that column awareness. They come from that column metadata. That's why we're able to present it and display it in that way. That's so intuitive. It's from that whole column where concept. And our, our lovely guys in EMEA, they've made a funny node where uh, Mark has a dimension node and all you can do is choose a business key. There's nothing else. 
Uh, and it's for uh, what he says, Frederick, his counterpart on the team, who I think you know, Kent. Uh, and so all the user can do is choose the business key in the dimension node, and that's it. There's nothing else. You, you, you're not going to mess this one up for sure. You just got to choose the right key, making it as easy as possible. Obviously, here with the type two dimension, we can see how quickly you can build that. And you know, as Satish goes through creating and running it, we'll get to see the code that it, it generates for you as a user. And so the same thing was true is like if you picked a hub or a link or a satellite type node, it's going to put in the, the standard data vault metadata columns and ask you to pick a business key exactly. and, and all that's already is, is built in. Because you know, one of the questions is, is Coalesce data vault aware? Yeah, the Coalesce is data vault aware because the founders were data vault aware. <laughs> yeah, and Coalesce is aware of everything. Anything Snowflake <laughs> is capable of, Coalesce is aware of. So, you know, for example, we can show, uh, you know, in a quick one, uh, like streams and tasks function functionality in Snowflake is such a key feature that we love. Um, and we, when we shipped Coalesce out of the box, we didn't have a node for streams and tasks. One of our customers, unbeknownst to us, just built one and showed it to us. And within seconds, you can build an entire CDC layer uh, from your source nodes, your source tables, uh, and support streams and tasks in seconds, which I think is so cool. Um, so data vault aware, stream aware, whatever you want to do in Snowflake, we're aware of that. So yeah, so we have this uh, create table generated again, the statement uh, once I hit that create button. And then I run it, it generates the code. Again, the template, you can control the flavor of the code. But right now, out of the box, there is a, a template based on best practices. And that is what we're running here. It loaded the data, it added the surrogate key. It did all the system column um, you know, calculations for the start dates and end dates. And then if you look at the actual SQL, here it is. Um, this is the merge statement. In this case, it's a SQL um, Snowflake specific merge statement. Use the business key to figure out, uh, you know, what is changed, and also include the logic for those change tracking columns. But this is a SQL statement that you or somebody has to write manually in order to implement all of the logic that we implemented. In yeah, and that, that is one. Of, that's part of the power of this, and the power of the automation and code generation is, you know, it it took you less than a minute to define this and push a button and you've got hundreds of lines of code that work out of the box. And like you said, it, if somebody had to write that manually in uh, even, even in, in some sort of a, a UI, you know, you could get typos, they could miss a column, they, they could misdefine something, alias something incorrectly. And here yeah. it's just, boom, it's there and it, and it runs. Right. And it's just, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Yep. Yep. I see uh, Siraj here says, we've made data engineers job boring. Boring. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think the fun stuff really is actually driving insight out of the data. So we want to focus on that more than anything, being able to get this stuff done quickly and engage uh, is the most important piece. I see Lauren, Lauren, your comment as well. Appreciate that. Uh, Frederick, where can I report my CEO making fun of me? We don't have an HR department yet. Sorry, man. Uh, still working on that. We're an early stage company. <laughs> uh, man. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, Satish, I think in Kent, you know, one thing that always comes up that I think stares companies right in the face is lineage. And when we talk about column awareness, 
the the lineage column lineage has become such a big problem for organizations that have gone through this hand coding type experience where it's so hard to understand how things are mapped together and a big reason why that column aware piece is so key to uh coalesce and something that we saw was a huge problem and you know a lot of times organizations or businesses think about column lineage after it's too late and so then they have to go find something that like parses all the SQL or parses all this custom code and tries its best to visualize those connections, uh, which we see as an outside in approach. Whereas we wanted to architect coalesce from the ground up to provide you with that column lineage and then enhance it in a way that we've never seen really be done before. So I know Satish is plugging away here as I'm speaking, but. Uh, yeah. So speaking of column lineage, um, what you're looking at here is a node lineage. Now, if I click on any of these nodes, you know, all the dependencies get highlighted. So it's very easy to see that. Uh, in this case, it's a, you know, it's a small pipeline because it's a demo, but you know, we know we are very, very aware <laughs> of how these graphs can get very big in, in real world. I mean, this could be 30, 40 nodes where your joints, you have all sorts of transformation rules and things like that. Uh, but you know, we want to be able to see this at a column level, or let's say, you know, you have this put it in production and everything is fine. You're sharing the data with finance and marketing in different views. And one view has a subset of the columns, whereas the marketing view has every column, let's say. A few months go by, everybody's using it. And somebody from finance is saying, hey, there's new columns coming in in the customer and I want to see that. Now imagine if this was a 30, 40 nodes, the first thing that you want to know is what is the impact of that change? Yeah, I want to learn that. That's, that's the first step. And once you understand it, then you are now tasked with how do I make that change? You may have to go into every node, alter or drop and recreate the tables, change the rules, you know, and kind of add that column and adjust the code. So let's simulate that there is a new column coming in uh, for now, and let's call that new column, new column, and let's give it a name. Uh, we can just give it a number. So my first step is again, as I said, I want to find, I want to understand the impact of this. So what I can do here is right click and say view column lineage, and this is possible. Again, this column lineage diagram is possible because of the column awareness. That architecture that's built into the tool. As you can see, uh, these lines going from one column to the other and showing you how these columns are connected. So for example, if you look at address, that is used in both finance view and the marketing view. If I look at something like this, marketing segment, that's only shared with marketing. So immediately I kind of understand what's happening here. And also these, these transformation icons that you see uh, when I hover over on those, you can actually see the rules that we put in place. So those were the that was the rule that we added before, and I can even hover over on other nodes and understand, um, you know, th those rules. And, and once I, I'm comfortable with okay, here is the landscape. Here's what I'm touching. Here's what the nodes that I, I will be able to. I'm about to change. I can go into this table column and say, propagate this column forward. And once I do that, I can choose which nodes, you know, would be affected by this change. So I can say, hey, propagate this to customer first and then to finance, but don't add it to marketing. 
we're still previewing this. So I'm going to continue to preview and say, hey, this is how it's going to look once everything is connected. And what, you know, uh, at this point, I can go and confirm this. And all tell you, you, you always gloss over this, but it's going to tell you to check into Git. And I know a lot of people out there love the whole Git concept, software engineering, uh, best practices uh, applied to analytics. And, you know, it's something we saw as table stakes is something we should support, you know, giving people the ability to check in and, you know, perform those types of functions. So in a usual world, you'd probably want to check that into Git, but obviously it's just a demo. So yeah. And we have Git integration built into this. So you can just, you know, bring up the Git and check this graph uh, state wherever you want. Um, and that's how you actually deploy as well. Yeah. And so you just answered uh, Terry's question. How is the generated code stored and versioned? Yeah. Um, it's yeah using Git, but you, it, you've got to, you got to check it in. Yeah. Right. You gotta still got to follow good practices for DevOps. Yep. But yeah, just like that, right. You get those columns propagated upstream or deleted downstream, however you want to do it. Obviously at a scale of hundreds of nodes, thousands of objects in a database, something that is super powerful. And I think, you know, like I was saying earlier, the column lineage piece is always something that stares companies right in the face. And usually they, try to get a tool afterwards to try to go and parse that code and display it, you know, usually not perfectly, but to be able to do it from the ground up and then also enhance it is something that was so unique to the design decisions that I felt like we made in the early days. Yeah. Hopefully this kind of gave uh, some information around the column aware awareness that we've been talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so let's see. You got uh, Jeff just asked, uh, "What about reverse engineering? What what can you what can coalesce reverse engineer?" So right now we can ingest um, an existing kind of you know if it's in a certain YAML format, we can probably take that and get that into the graph, uh, you know. But that that is a format that somebody has to kind of build before we can reverse engineer. So it's like a specification that they need to uh, meet in order yeah. us to reverse engineer. So you, can you reverse engineer a schema, existing schema out of Snowflake? Uh, not current quite uh, the, the way that probably they're expecting. You know, um, again, as I said, there's an intermediate step of um, they can provide something within uh, in a YAML structure and then we can consume that. But we today we cannot just go to an existing set of tables that are in Snowflake and kind of just reverse engineering exactly the way uh, they are. Like if there are dimension tables and there are ways to do it, it's not straightforward right now. Yeah. yeah. See, Michael Goodman, are you storing the project metadata in the customer Snowflake account? Hmm, perhaps we should. What do you think, Satish? I think uh, a little bit of time, but we'll see. Yeah. Nope. So what was the question? Where is it today? So, yeah, somebody did ask earlier, is you yeah. know, is there a repository? Yeah, where where is the metadata being stored today? Oh, yeah. So our metadata is in, you know, we, we host in Google Cloud and our metadata repository uh, is um, Google Firebase. So we yeah. first, that's where we store. But to be clear, you do not have to have a Google account to use no. Coalesce. If you no. be running Snowflake on Azure, Snowflake on AWS, it doesn't matter because Coalesce is is a SaaS. Exactly. Hosted. Yep, exactly. You know, you, you don't ever need to interact with that or host it yourself. Correct. Get up and running super quickly. Um, I know we so, got 
few minutes. We got a couple of questions about data modeling. So uh, what's your take on that on, you know, should people still have a data modeling tool? I think data modeling is incredibly important. People should always be focused on that, uh, you know, especially at a larger scale enterprise or, or business. Anybody trying to do something at a complex scale or a large scale should be thinking about data modeling, however they want to go about that. Um, and Coalesce would support that, those decisions, you know, whether whatever you may be using, however you may be going about building out that logical design prior to actually doing and performing the physical build here in Coalesce. Yes, you don't consider Coalesce a modeling tool. You know, I think the term modeling has got a, a interesting. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah it's not a data modeling tool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It depends who you ask what a data model is nowadays. So uh, true. Uh, well, I, but, my, you know, my, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I was going to say the traditional data modeling, uh, like that term, uh, you know, is is a just separate technology. I mean, right? I mean, this is still kind of uh, complementary to that. What, what would you say, Satish? Absolutely. So my, my take, I was, same question was asked yesterday and I was, you know, my take was, uh, I'm, I take a more like a pragmatic approach than a purist approach for uh, modeling because I've seen people spend years on models that were never kind of final models because you just don't have the perfect model. But again, it's the same problem. They went all the way to the other side or the other extreme and said, we don't need model, modeling at all. There's no data modeling. We'll just like do whatever. Anyway, that's not going to work. You know? <laughs> it's not going to scale. It's not going to scale. You know, you've got to have the right balance. The data modeling is still relevant. Uh, and it's important for you to have a plan. As Ken pointed out, you've got to have a plan. Need a blueprint if you're building a blueprint. house. Yeah. Especially if it's a big one. Without a blueprint, yeah. Cool. Can't any other thoughts? I know we only got a couple minutes left. Boy, yeah. And there's there's like been a ton of questions and and comments coming in here um, yeah. throughout the whole thing. So it's great to see everybody out there. Uh, Will, Sunny, all you guys. One thing that I do want to point out to everybody is Coles will be at Snowflake Summit. Yeah. Um, I will be there as well. So uh, those of you who I know, I see a few folks in the chat that I I am presuming are going to be there. Um, if those, some of you who weren't thinking about it, you should definitely think about it. You can get up close and personal with, uh, with Armand and Satish and, uh, learn more about the product. Uh, can be a yeah. lot of, uh, a lot of fun stuff going on there in Vegas at Snowflake Summit. So if you haven't got your ticket yet, please go do that because we will be there. Definitely. Um, no, I think this, this is great. This was a, a good preview. I mean, there's so much more. Yeah, I assume you guys are going to do some webinars in the in the coming months, and so sh show some of the more complex things. Uh, you know, Dale was was asking about joins, and you know, you know how do how do we how do we do joins in here? How does that work for for building out your your downstream nodes? I mean, obviously, I think it would be great. We do a a demo of building out uh, you know a data vault and the, and the code that's generated there. There's just yeah. so much that we could do. Absolutely, we should save that for the next session, Kent. Do a Streams and tasks, data vault, just like the document that you'd written up. Um, I will say somebody also asked about uh, if we're supporting other platforms. Uh, when we're supporting other platforms, I think uh, Satish and I got a pretty strong stance here. We are all in on Snowflake. A uh, big reason why is because that audience uh, philosophically has always wanted the best of breed approach for technology in the stack. And so we want to be the best of breed transformation tool 
And so Snowflake made so much sense to partner up with, especially with great people like Ken, so many friends there. Uh, so that's where we're at today. Uh, big fans. And yes, we'll be at Snowflake Summit. Drop by the, uh, drop by the booth. Kent will be there. Steve Snow will be there along with the rest of our team. So thanks, everybody.